0: My guest today is a former sales superstar, spending 15 years in the industry across multiple teams, companies, and roles, most notably at Salesforce. After initially being a number one top performing business development rep, she hit a wall when she became a direct selling account executive. After months of not knowing what to do, she hired a coach, and as a result, was able to achieve 150% of her quota and was the only one on her team to do so. She knew then that coaching was her calling. She has coached dozens of companies since 2014, including notable names such as Calm, Level Jump, Vena Solutions, and of course, Salesforce. Now she helps her clients defeat imposter syndrome by building their confidence and owning their value so that they can master the job and their life. Introducing Ali Razako. Welcome to Winning Streaks, I'm your host Tanvir Mustafa and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. Great, great to have you on, Ali. Sure. I've been I've been meaning to do this for a while. You've taken the journey from you know being in sales, uh, you know top performer, a sales leader, to now being a coach to help that helps people overcome imposter syndrome. But I want to go back to where you initially struggled, and mm. what led you from that initial struggle to seeking out a coach and then you know working with them to uh, you know sort of perform better in your day to day.
1: Yeah, for sure. The origin story. Yeah. So yeah, so back in 2012, I got hired um, at Salesforce as a BDR. So like an outbound prospector for anyone in your audience that doesn't know what that is. Um, And, you know, imposter syndrome set in pretty quickly because I had had sales roles previous, but not to the, you know, the caliber, if you will, of of Salesforce. Right. So imposter syndrome set in pretty quickly and my strategy um, that I used to try to, you know, numb out the imposter syndrome was just be the best and everything will be fine. Right. Just be number one. This is a great strategy. Right. So it worked for the first, you know, for the first year, I was a really good BDR and number one, blah, blah, blah. And then got promoted to account executive as like the natural progression. And for whatever reason, the success that I had experienced in BDR did not translate to AE whatsoever. And so my strategy of being the best really backfired (laughs) because I couldn't figure out how to be the best. And so then I went into this kind of like, you know, downward spiral of, you know, terrible negative self-talk, right. Of, you know, it must be me. I'm not good enough. Like I'm not good at sales. Like sales isn't for me. Just, you know, all that kind of basically just like going into a blame spiral. Right. And when I was, um, sick and tired of blaming myself, then I blamed other people, my manager, the territory, whatever I could find, you know, whatever I could get my hands on to blame, (laughs) um, which are all terrible strategies because all it does is put you in a negative mindset. Right. And you're basically telling yourself that you're not going to be successful, which then translated into me not being successful. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but I didn't like, I can tell you this today, but I didn't recognize any of these things in the moment. Right. You're just like grabbing at straws, like chaos, like always feeling busy, not understanding why month over month. Right. And, um, I found a coach pretty serendipitously because a mentor of mine who was not at Salesforce, I think was honestly like exhausted from me complaining about <laughs> not, not doing well. And he had just suggested, um, to talk to a former colleague of him, of his, that was a coach. And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but like anything and everything. Like, I'll try it. I was just like so determined to not let this be like the dramatic end of my career that we always like, you know, everything's always like the worst case scenario that's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So um, met with this coach and immediately had this feeling of being seen, heard and not judged. And obviously in any kind of like high tech sales world, everything's competitive every you're judged all the time let's be honest right like well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it you're always being judged right mm-hmm. and so in this moment of meeting this coach i felt completely seen heard and not judged and i just knew instinctively not knowing what coaching was i just knew that i needed that kind of relationship in my life for me to like really figure out what the hell was going on right um and so what it did for me was um, really helped me understand that my mindset was one of the number one reasons why I wasn't being successful because I had convinced myself that I wasn't going to be. So then throughout the day, my brain was just collecting evidence of reasons, reasons why. why. I wasn't gonna be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? And then you're like, see, I told you. And you're like, well, you're setting yourself up for, for failure here. Right. With that mindset. And so through doing the work with my coach, which is very similar to the work I do with my clients now, honestly the, like what I got from it was just like a deep sense of trusting myself and a complete shift in my mindset. And like those two things combined totally made me show up differently at work. And like, all of a sudden I was, you know, doing really well and, you know, had really good months and I was on track to hitting my number. And I was like in disbelief. I'm like, how did this, how, like, how did that, how did coaching do that for me? And I just fell in love immediately because I was like, I want people to, who have experienced what I experienced in terms of imposter syndrome and not doing well and feeling like there was no option and no way to get out of it. Them being able to experience the other side of like, it is possible and your dreams can come true and you can do well and all these kind of things. Right. So. So what, so let's, let's,
0: let's ask that question and answer it. What Mm -hmm. changed? Like, I feel like we talk about mindset and you know law of attraction and all these different things to change states let's call it but what actually changed day to day in your work that got you from you know loathing and and self-pity to succeeding and growing
1: yeah so i think a couple things i think it's like a a complete shift in how you view yourself in relation to your role So I was using my lack of performance as a reason that as a reason of for me being not good enough and me being unworthy and not having self-worth. Right. And so every time anything went wrong, it was a reflection of me personally and my worth. Right. And through coaching and doing the work to understand my values and my strengths and just like who I am as a person without any jobs or titles or anything who is inherently valuable and enough, I started to decouple my worth from that performance number right and so if I lost a deal or whatever it was it didn't mean anything about me anymore it was just like kind of facts of like okay what did I learn from that scenario what could I have done differently right like of course we're, we're always going to lose deals and there's always something to learn but when you're in that spiral or like that mindset of it's about you and your worth you don't take the time to learn and you don't take the time to say what can I do differently or you know how you know how did this, how does this show something, show me something about myself that I can learn from, right, and so there was no learning, there was just, like, trying, 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 and then failing, and then feeling bad, and then trying, 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 and failing, and feeling bad, right, so that's, I would think, like, one of the biggest things that, that changed fundamentally, yeah. and it's funny, because, like, obviously, then that translates to different, different sh- ways of looking at your territory, for example. Right. So like one tactical thing that changed. So that was like a mindset state that changed, but then how that changes in your tactics and your strategies is I started valuing my time differently. Right. So before any deal that came my way, I was like, okay, this is the deal that I could close. That could make me feel good about myself. Right. So you're just like anxious and desperate and trying and whatnot. And because you're looking for that thing to validate you. Right. But when I started to feel validated without the, you know, without that performance piece, I started to look critically at deals and realized, oh, not all deals are worth my time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you start prioritizing your time and where you use it. So I wasn't wasting my time on deals that I knew were never going to close based on, you know, they didn't have enough challenge or budget, whatever, whatever. I used to work those deals because I was so desperate for anything to validate me. Right. And yeah. so because I was only working the best deals. I was closing more deals because they were actually deals that would actually close. Right. You know, like out of a hundred deals that you have, like you're only going to p- close a percentage of them. Like just, that's just that how life works. But I would have worked a hundred of those deals. Right. Instead of yeah. like 30 of them. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Learning to say no is, is definitely one of the skills and in, in sales, like for me early on was a hard one because you just get happy years Every time a client says, yep, I'm interested. And it's like, it's not, it's not that easy. Like it doesn't come that easily, and you got to sort of be able to evaluate the different levers and understand when to say no. Um, yeah. But there's also the flip side, which I wanted to explore a little bit. So it's like maybe you're not performing so well, and you're you're in self-defeat and self-loathing, as we were talking about. I know and this may come off as very cocky. Um, swear it's not, but I know sometimes the opposite is also true, which is if you're performing well. Um, sometimes when I'm performing well, that is when imposter syndrome really hits me. Hmm. It's like, man, like, I don't, I'm not sure if I deserve this or if, if I should be getting this, like I'm doing well, but it's, it's hard to, to associate that with self-worth, you know?
1: Hmm. What do you think that is about for am, you?
0: Am I getting coached? Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why don't want to show off the of skills?
0: <laughs> I, th- I think it's just about um, like making sure that I feel wholeheartedly in charge of every result uh, that comes my way or or happens. And I feel sort of in control, but there are variables that you can't always necessarily control, even if you're performing well. Um, So I think, you know, that's when, when imposter syndrome starts hitting me or it's like comparatively to other people. Mm. Like I just look at other people's skill sets or I look at other people and what they're doing. And it's like, yeah, even though I'm, I'm more successful in, in one way I like, see them and I'm like, hey, I'm not really like that person. So mm. I sort of put myself down.
1: Right. Yeah. And how, how did you learn that behavior? Do you think?
0: mm <clears throat> Well, I grew up playing sports. So I was pretty competitive um, growing up. And I think to me, it was always just like, the more practice you put in, um, the more successful you can be, the better you can be. But sometimes there's always just, there's always a person better than you. And you're always chasing that, that individual, or at least I was. Um, And so there was always like another standard that I wanted to get to. And I just always felt like I wasn't doing enough. So maybe Mm -hmm. that's, that's it. I'm not sure. But
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a beautiful example because basically all of these things that show up in our adult lives, in our adult careers are just a learned behavior from our childhood that we've never really checked in on and thought about, hmm, does this serve me well? And is this empowering or is this not serving me? And is this dis- disempowering? Right. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, you you were probably seemingly hired as a salesperson because you have this competitive background right yeah yeah. and um but it's i guess it's like a flawed system because like why is now like mental health so rampant in the sales industry right because comparison is like literally the thief of joy right because like you will never be the same as anyone it's impossible right and we you can always find a reason that someone's better or worse or this for that but it's about changing the metric that you're evaluating, right? Like what is better? What is worse? in what in the, you know what I mean? Like you can literally like weave yourself into such a spiral when you actually go deep into it. And at the end of the day, what it again really comes back to is like a deep sense of self-worth truly.
0: Right. Yeah. And that, I think that comparison game, especially especially with like social media nowadays is really really tough and i've tried to make an active effort to sort of keep a barrier between myself and social media um and it's changed the way i view just like comparing lives and uh, you know like you said what is that quote i'm gonna pull that out and like paste it somewhere uh comparison is the thief of joy yeah oh i love that um
1: which means that social media is the thief of joy
0: yeah. Yeah. Because like, that's, that's really what it is. Like you're all that
1: it's all that it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I love that. I love that. I got a mini coaching session out of that, but I really, no. I really do want to understand. And for the listeners, how does coaching work? Like, right. I, like I,
1: what is coaching? Yeah. Exactly.
0: Like, how does it work? How do you navigate it? How does, a, how does someone who wants coaching navigate it? Would love yeah. to learn more about that.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So coaching can, yeah, seemingly seem like elusive, like what, what's actually happening. I think one of the best, like visual descriptions I can give of it because I feel like there's a million ways that you can describe it, but you know, I'm sure that there's been many times in your life where you're trying to make a decision or you're some, there's a challenge, you're annoyed, you're frustrated whatever. Right. And, What's happening in your mind feels like a big pile of like spaghetti, right? You're just like all these emotions, all these feelings, all these like whatever, but you can't, like, if someone was like, okay, but like what's going on or what's wrong? You're just like, you know, like it's like this thing, but then it's like this thing. And then you're, it's like literal spaghetti that you're trying to unravel, right? And you can't because you just can't see the forest or the trees, right? Yeah. A coach allows a container for you to start one by one, like untangling and unraveling the spaghetti so that it's now like, you know, laid out flat and you can see the picture clearly so that you can make the best decision for you. Mm -hmm. So like a coach, like typically they're not giving you advice. They're not telling you what to do. They're just clarifying the image for you. So then you can feel confident about the conscious decision that you're making moving forward. Versus if you're trying to make a decision from that scrambled place, it might not be the right one. Then you make a decision and you're like, Oh my God, it wasn't like, now I'm even more scrambled. Now nothing makes sense. Right. It's just like this, spiral again. So that's probably like the best uh, descriptive way or like analogy way that I can describe coaching. Does that no, make sense?
0: Yeah, it's a good one. It's like my, my brain feels scrambled or like scrambled eggs and uh, exactly. you're just making it nicer and tidier and, and more organized to be able to say, okay, this is how I want to tackle all these problems that I'm going through or whatnot. Right. Um, so that- like
1: the 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 funniest question for me in coaching. So how it, so like how it typically works? I'll give you like a glimpse into like a session for example. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the client will come with a topic, right? Something that's a challenge or you know like something that's going on in their life or in their career, and they'll kind of they'll give me like the headline or like some some story, you know like whatever whatever it is, right? And my first question always 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 like my follow up question to whatever they tell me, uh, is so what's the real challenge here for you, right? Because, you know, we can make it, and then my boss did this and like that. this thing's, all these external things are happening. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But what's the real challenge here for you? And it always, every time they're like, hmm. like they have to stop and think because that's why you're scrambled. Because you're not actually clear about what is actually a challenge in this situation that you, you know, high level no is hard you're feeling some kind of you know resistance and tension there but when you but you haven't gotten clear on actually what is even the real challenge right and sometimes I just keep asking that question until we like layer by layer by layer get to the fact of what it typically is is that their a value of theirs is not being honored and what they're doing or you know someone else has been you know uh overstepping a boundary that they have some you know it always kind of comes down to these like core the core essence and core values that that we care about. But the story that they come with is like this thing happened at work and that thing or this deal and like, you know, it has nothing to do with like my values, right? But we yeah. it always it always comes down to that.
0: I feel like I should use that question with my prospects to get a
1: hundred percent
0: to get the deeper <laughs> problems. L two, L three.
1: Exactly it's that's exactly what's happening, right? Like coaching yeah. almost is selling, right? Selling is coaching. Yeah. And so when I got trained as a coach, so in 2013, I started getting trained as a coach, which is also that time. So I, I got a coach and then I got trained as a coach. And that all happened in that year where I hit 150% of my number because I learned coaching skills that I then used on my clients. Right. Nice,
0: Very cool. How does one get trained as a coach? How do you, yeah, how do you go from getting coached to becoming trained as a coach?
1: Yeah, there's like, well, at the time, this was like eight years ago or, or seven years ago. Um, there were like certain like institutions that had coaching programs that you can get certified in. Now, um, those still exist, but now like coach it because coaching is an unreg- unregulated industry, right? It's not like therapy where you like need to like, you know, go mm-hmm. through all these, you know, th- um systems and processes and whatnot. Um, so now I know people that have like been a coach for a while and then have created, you know, a system that works for their clients and they've now sell that system to other coaches and then coaches use their system. You know what I mean? So you can do it many different ways, but I did it kind of a traditional route of like going through like an established institution that's been around for a while.
0: Cool. That's super cool. And yeah. why why is it that you ended up landing upon imposter syndrome? Cause I got to say, like, I haven't seen that one, uh, to date. Why did you land upon that as your topic of choice, um, and your niche of choice when presenting coaching?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I definitely faced imposter syndrome a lot in my career at different, different times. Um, and especially in, in my most recent role, I would say it was a role where, I was the head of a department in a, you know, department that I'd never even had a job in before, you know, like I was an enablement. I'd never had been in enablement before. And so I like, you know, stepped into even through all of my years of coaching and being a coach myself, like we're not immune, right? Like <laughs> there's still things that can take us down. So I definitely felt a lot of imposter syndrome and I was seeing the effects of like seeing very firsthand, especially when you like manage an entire department and you have, you know, um, like OKRs and people relying on you for certain things that like are absolutely critical for the business. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I could see how my imposter syndrome was affecting me in terms of how I performed and how I showed up and, you know, my boundaries and what I would say yes to and what I wouldn't say no to and and all of these things. Right. Because I was like really in that, like trying to prove that I could do this. Right. I was really tying it back to my self-worth again. Right. Even though I learned that lesson at Salesforce in a new scenario, new people, new environment. I kind of went back to those old ways because they're really, it's a deep, deep programming, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so imposter syndrome really became very real for me in that experience. And we, I started talking about it at, at work with, a, you know, my colleagues and, you know, the reps on my team. And it seemed to absolutely resonate with everyone, right? And I just had this kind of, I don't know, there was just like a thought in the back of my mind. I was like, ooh, like this could be like a really good, avenue for coaching because it seems like everyone is feeling this way right and like yeah I you know instead of just being like oh I'm a life coach or I'm a this coach like it just felt like it could really hit people and if they saw it people would be like I have that you know like that I need that right so I had that inkling and then as I started to build this business I didn't start as like an imposter syndrome coach I was actually a leader I called myself a leadership coach it's all not that, not that it's all the same, but like, it's all branding. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I was on a call with, um, I think it was like 11 women and I was doing an intro and I said how I work with a lot of people with imposter syndrome and literally it was, you know, like all the zoom call, right. All the boxes, like it at the same time, all, every, like all 11 women's head just went, Oh my God. Yes, I have that. And I was just wow. like, whoa I was like okay and that was the moment I knew I was like okay this is so like far reaching Mm -hmm. and I could have such an impact because I totally understand imposter syndrome and where it comes from and like different flavors of it and how it shows up and obviously all that kind of stuff Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: it clearly is something that is resonating very deeply with people right now right and so yeah I just took the leap and similar to what you said I'd never seen anyone do it and so I was like, well, I guess there's space in the market for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You got to change the branding for that, for sure. When, when that many people are nodding their heads. Um, mm-hmm. And I love it. You know, I think it's it's definitely a thing that a lot of us go through, especially in a professional setting. Um, and I wanted to understand a little bit more without spoiling too much about your program, but um, what are sort of the main struggles that your clients approach you with? And what's maybe an outline of how you go from taking them from, you know, point A to, sort of feeling disempowered to point B, which is, you know, empowered, confident, um, ready and able to, to tackle their, their daily life situations.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, um, to r- put an umbrella uh, over like the common challenge, because everyone's are, you know, a little bit different, but I would say overall, there's a deep sense of a lack of fulfillment in their current career position, right? and a deep sense of not knowing how they'll ever find fulfillment right like you know I've been promoted and I'm a leader or this right and and yet still I feel the same right and I so I'm like at like my wits end I don't really know what I'm doing wrong or I don't really know how I can like find this like you know place of bliss right and so um the reason that that is happening is because we don't really know what that place would even look like right like we just like no we don't feel it but when I started to ask like okay well what would fulfillment look like what would like be different in your life what would you be doing what would you be and they're like I don't know and I'm like well it's going to be hard to get to somewhere that you don't even know what it looks like like how would you know you were there right if you can't even visualize right and I always kind of think of like you know these, you know, high-end athletes, like, you know, Michael Jordan and stuff, like they can visualize the ball going in the net, like they can visualize these things and that's why they're able to do them, right? Yeah, yeah. But if your brain can't visualize something, how's it gonna know how to do it, right? right. Um, and so uh, the program that I um, have created is to really get clear on, first and foremost, who you are at your core as a human being. So I've mentioned values a lot. So that's like one of the big cornerstones um, and one of the most like useful exercises that I do with my clients from what they tell me at least um, <laughs> is this exercise on values. Cause I feel like if I asked you right now, like, Oh, what do you value? You'd probably like name maybe like five, six, seven, eight things. Right. Like, cause there's lots of things that we value, of course. Right. Yeah. But that way, uh, so one, you either might know like 10 things that you value or you're not really clear about what you value. That's typically where people f- fall, right? But let's say you know you value 10 things. Cool, but that doesn't really give you a good system to make decisions in your life, right? Because there's too many variables to evaluate it against. Like 10 variables is a lot of variables, right?
0: Can I can I pause you just for a second there? Can you give me some examples of values that maybe you hear Uh, Like often just if someone's trying to come up with this, someone's listening and they're like, okay, let me, let me write down some of my values. What types of things would they be writing down as an example?
1: Well, so here's the way that I do it instead. And I'll give you some examples for your listeners, but I actually give you a list of like. 50 plus values and you highlight the ones that resonate with you. Right. So it's like kind of giving you like a bit of a menu, right. Yeah, yeah. And you get to choose. And then from that list of 50, you'll honestly, you'll probably highlight like 25, 30, right. You'll highlight a lot because a lot of things will resonate with you, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, but what then the the exercise um, forces you to do is to narrow down those highlighted um, those highlighted values to two. Only.
0: Oh, ouch that's not easy.
1: <laughs> exactly. And the point is, is that it, it, it shouldn't be easy, but what it forces you to do is realize your core needs. Cause these two values, what that ends up being is actually your core needs and literally everything in your life comes back to it. When things are going well, it's because you're honoring those two core needs. When things aren't going well and you're frustrated or unhappy or unfilled, it's because those core needs are not being filled. Right. Mm. And so it's an amazing way to like it's honestly a life hack to be quite honest because like at any moment once you have those two core values you have like i said you have now a measuring stick and so for at any moment you can make quick decisions to be like right okay so i value for example like growth and community is this seemingly innocuous decision that i need to make is it going to help me feel like i have a community and is it going to help me grow right and if it's not going to do those things it's the immediate no Right. Whatever. Whereas when you don't have that system, you can think of like a million reasons why. Yes. Why no? Why this? Why that? Right. But it's not about is it a good decision or is it a bad decision? It's about does the decision align with your values or not? Right. Hmm. Um, so values is like a core, core piece of um, the like groundwork that we do. So when I start with my clients, all, every single client is like we do this foundational work and it's like four pillars. So values is one of them because it's like illuminates everything in their life. Second is strengths, right? Not understanding what your strengths are is a huge um, uh, disability because then you can't confidently talk about them, right? So when, you know, you're in a job interview and they're asking you like, you know, tell us about yourself and like what you're good at or whatever, right? You, if you don't truly feel and understand and embody your strengths right you're not going to feel confident about them so we do an exercise on really getting clear on your strengths um, then we do an exercise This is my favorite one but then yeah. we do an exercise um around saboteurs so i've talked a lot about like these negative voices in your head right so that's what the saboteurs are they are self-sabotaging thoughts yeah. and they come you beautiful you kind of beautifully um demonstrated it they come from your childhood they were um kind of like coping mechanisms that we, de- um, that we created in our childhood that were useful at the time, um, because we don't have other ways of communicating and whatnot when, when we're little kids, but we've never checked in on them as adults to say, is this still useful or not for me to feel like I need to be number one in, if, for, in everything in order to feel worthy. Right. 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 And so, the saboteurs is probably the second exercise that is like the most valuable valuable for people because um, and there's a um, an assessment um, your audience can take online that shows you what your saboteurs are. So there's like nine personas, if you will. I'll give you some examples of what those would be. So like, people pleaser is a saboteur, right?
0: Because mm-hmm. you're not
1: able to say no to things that you actually want to say no to, right? Um, being a hyperachiever, so always needing to be the best, that's a saboteur. Mm-hmm. Um, being a controller. Right. Trying to control all the things when you can't control everything is a saboteur. Right. And it's a saboteur because these strategies are can lead to achievement. Right. You can achieve things by being a hyperachiever and trying to be the best and controlling things and whatnot. But they don't lead to fulfillment. They just lead to more trying to be the best and more controlling. Right. Because the second you get to like, you know, if your brain's telling you like for me, right, be the be the best BDR, you'll be happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. Right. And then (laughs) guess what it told me to be, be the net, be the best AE, then you'll be happy. And it was always be the next, be the next best thing. Right. And it's just hamster wheel. Right. I was telling
0: a colleague almost word for word, what you're telling me to like, I resonate with it so much and I can see why you went into imposter syndrome coaching. Cause like, for me, it was always like, I, I, I've been in sales for a long time. I've been in sales since I was like 11 years old, shoveling driveways to starting businesses to retail, but every step of the way, I w- if I was number one and I was doing really well, I'd be like, hey, this isn't, this isn't right. Like, I need to prove myself again. And then so I, I would go from retail to bank. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm successful here. This isn't right. I need to prove myself again. And then each role that I'm in, it's almost like, okay, number one, something must be wrong. Like, need to prove myself again. And it's right. an endless recycle of me being like, okay, I need to prove to myself that I can be the best yeah. and that I can be number one every single time. And, but enough, is, enough it has never been enough.
1: And it never works. Yeah. Has it ever worked? No, not yet. (laughs) Right, exactly. And then, but then you're, but there's a part of you at the back of your head, the saboteur is being like, next time it's going to work though, right? Like they're they're very deceiving and and sexy, right? They like really try to convince you that the next time is going to be different and it never Mm -hmm. is. It's a terrible strategy, right? So the being able to recognize those types of saboteurs in your life are so important because first of all, before, before coaching, people aren't aware that that's even a thing happening. Like they know that those thoughts are there, but they don't realize that they're self-sabotaging thoughts and that they're lying to you. Yeah. Um, cause they are where they come from in our brain is our survival part of our brain. So the fight or flight, right? So they, uh, they think that they convince you that they're helping you survive. Right. If you're the best, that's a great survival technique to be the best, right. You'll always want to be, you'll always be wanted and all these kind of things, but right. But it's a terrible survival technique because you're actually going to like burn out, you know, never feel fulfilled. So on and so forth. Right. Well, that's
0: the thing you get there, sorry to interrupt you, but you get there and then you realize that you're like, wait, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Like it doesn't fulfill you the way you like peg your self-worth to this accomplishment of being number one or or being at the top and you get there and you're like, what, where did I go wrong? (laughs) Like, why do I still feel kind of empty?
1: Try it again, maybe the next time right?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. So people typically show up to me having gotten like in that cycle, right? And realizing I don't know when this cycle will end. And I feel completely trapped because that's the only strategy I know. But it's not working. So how do I fix it? Right. So so understanding what um what your kind of like top saboteurs are is like literally life-changing because then you can start recognizing when they show up and you can consciously, instead of, instead of unconsciously listening to them, you can consciously choose to not listen to them. Right. Mm. Um, but if you're not conscious that they're there, you can't make that conscious decision. So then the last piece of it is what we call, um, in coaching your leader within. So there are moments where you're not, you know, suffering from your, like, incessant negative self-talk, right? There's moments of like clarity and wisdom and compassion and creativity and inventiveness, right? That it that comes from your prefrontal cortex versus your limbic system. And your prefrontal cortex is kind of this like rational logical part of your brain. And um, it's literally the only thing that makes us a human. Like we are the only part of like the animal kingdom that has the prefrontal cortex, right? Mm-hmm. So the problem is, is that it's such a new part of our brain that the limbic system is so much stronger than the prefrontal cortex so we always listen to the saboteurs because it comes from our prefrontal or sorry from our limbic system and that's like so so strong. So what we do with the leader within which comes from the prefrontal cortex is like I had mentioned being conscious of your saboteurs you we do an exercise where you become conscious of that other voice in your head, that leader, what we call the leader within voice, the one that actually treats you well, and, you know, can motivate you through other ways, because the saboteurs motivate you through like stress, shame, you know, embarrassment, anxiety, right? Yeah. But the leader within can motivate you through empathy and the creativity, right? These fulfillment, like these, these things that are actually, exciting right Right. and create positive emotion whereas the saboteurs always create negative emotions so the problem is that we just don't have any kind of conscious understanding of what that voice is right so what we do is we create a conscious relationship by personifying that voice like we literally do this visualization where you personify that voice like what it looks like their qualities their name all this kind of stuff so that at any moment you're feeling hijacked by your saboteur you can call upon your leader within and have like a label for it an image of it this experience of what that feels like and you can choose to leverage those qualities and those strengths versus always listening to your saboteurs
0: wow that i love this system and (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's 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 so relatable um i honestly didn't expect to to be this this crazy, like on par with my thoughts exactly, but you're like you said, like you have your your strengths, your saboteurs, your leader within, um, and then your values, and making sure all of those things are in alignment, or you have at least an understanding of them, and you can hear and navigate the voices between within your head, versus letting them sort of take over and and send you in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, Run amok. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. going back to that core question that you said, most people you know, come to you with, which is, I'm not feeling fulfilled. How do I f- f- feel, feel fulfilled? I'm not sure. And maybe they're going through imposter syndrome and they just don't know how to deal with it. Um, obviously, one avenue for them is to, is to enlist your coaching services. Yeah. Um, but another avenue, what would you recommend that they do for themselves, um, anyone listening, listening in to be able to defeat imposter syndrome?
1: Yeah. So I, I personally, so there's like a lot of like little tools that you can use that I've talked about before. So, um, one of them is, and I got this actually from one of my leaders at Salesforce, but one of them is like creating a file of all the times that you, you know, did a great work, accomplished something, got recognition and praise and all that kind of stuff to just have like a quick tool to use. Like when you're getting hijacked by a saboteur, that's telling you you're shit and not good enough. Mm -hmm. You can always go back to this like folder full of stuff that shows you that like, Oh, right. That's like not true. And I have so many qualities and so many strengths and and whatnot. So that's just like a, a quick fun tool, Mm -hmm. but on a deeper level, I highly recommend a values exercise for people. Um, and I, I'm happy to share, you know, one online with your, um, with your audience, but it's, it's like, that is the one thing that will show you immediately why you're probably feeling unfulfilled. And of course, then you have to like, try to make a strategy, like figure out how you, how are you going to solve? Like, if it's, you know, that your job is not aligning to your values, then you're like, well, fuck now, what do I do? Right. Like, yeah. like do I just get a new job? Right. But, but regardless you need to have awareness first and you need to have that knowledge first and then you can start planning and and whatnot, right? But that awareness is like key.
0: Yeah, I've, and I wanna highlight this because I think maybe a lot of people when they hear about either coaches or courses or consultants, they're like, you know what? There's so much information on the internet. Like I can do that all for free. And it's true, (laughs) you probably could, Um, you you probably could, but it's just gonna take you much, much longer and you're gonna spend a lot of time not knowing how to organize your thoughts, how to, exactly. how to how to piece out what components in what order, and et cetera, et cetera. And if you are going through imposter syndrome, for anyone listening, highly recommend at least first checking out Ali on LinkedIn. Um, Ali, where else can my listeners find you, engage with you, and you know, enlist in your services?
1: For sure, yeah. LinkedIn is a great place. I post content on there and have my services all in the featured section. But I also have a website that you can sign up for my newsletter. Uh, which is weekly kind of life lessons, if you will, and kind of take you along my journey of what I continue to learn about myself through my clients and my life experiences now living in Costa Rica and whatnot. Um, So my website is just allyrazacos.com. Pretty easy.
0: Amazing. And I'll pop those in the show notes. Um, Before we go today, Allie, what's one last final piece of advice that you would give to my listeners to help them achieve their next big win? Mm.
1: Oh, man, I really should have prepared for that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. One piece of advice. Hmm. Um, I would say oh, there's so many things. You know what? I would say something that, like, honestly changed my life is gratitude journaling. Gratitude journaling is an amazing way to create awareness every single day and create intention every single day. So one, gratefulness literally leads to more joy in your life. Um, But uh, the way that I do, I follow like the five-minute journal um, gratitude format. So you do three things that you're grateful for and then three ways today can be great. You do that in the morning. And that piece, the three ways that today can be great is basically setting your intentions for for the day, right? So I used to think about it of like, okay, like what meetings do I have today, right? And I think about whatever, like, let's say I have a team meeting and then I got like a pricing call, whatever, right? And and I would think about how do I wanna show up in those meetings, right? So kind of going back to the Michael Jordan analogy of like visualizing before the game, like I would would visualize and think about how do I wanna show up in this meeting versus just like showing up however unconscious, like maybe it's a good meeting, maybe it's not when you set an intention and you visualize how do I want to show up and you consciously think about it, you're going to fundamentally change the way that you show up and actually show up the way that you think that, you know, that is going to best serve you and the people that are in that meeting, for example. Right. So it's just like that intentionality behind everything you do in a day can create like amazing results, like pretty quickly because you're just consciously making decisions versus unconsciously going through your life
0: yeah i used to think it was really cheesy until i actually like enveloped myself in the practice i'm 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 doing a lot more mindfulness and meditation now i don't necessarily write down but for the first time like you know you it's an exercise that you create where you're either writing down the things that you're grateful for thinking about them or speaking about them whatever it may okay. be but for like the first time last week or two weeks ago i literally like i woke up took my like first breath after waking up and i was like oh my god like i'm so thankful to be alive and like have this body and be able to breathe. And that was that was a really wild experience for the first time to be able to just wake up and feel that right away. Um, mm-hmm. And it really- Instead of being
1: like, what meetings do I have today? What do I have to do today? You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It creates awareness and it creates abundance. Um, yeah. So yeah. I love that. I love that piece of advice. I think it'll help a lot of people when,
1: Especially if, you know, like I said, most of my clients come to me because they're not feeling fulfilled you can start to feel fulfillment in anything that you're doing. Even if you don't like your job, you can start to feel fulfillment just by being conscious of what you're grateful for and intentionality and that sort of thing.
0: There you go. Anyone listening can start feeling fulfilled today, right now.
1: Um,
0: Thank you, Ali, so much for coming on to Winning Streaks. It's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you being on the show.
1: Thanks. This was great. Thank you.